I want to tell you something, and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life. From innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition, to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory, I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I want to thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our plant strong milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things plant strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support and please stay tuned for exciting updates at planstrong.com. I am super excited to bring a man who is making his third appearance on the Plant Strong podcast. He is a doctor. He is a good friend. He's a philosopher. He is a humanitarian. And he is one of our national treasures. Dr. Michael Clapper is here to talk about the coronavirus and to answer many of your health questions. In this ever-changing landscape that uh, we have been thrown into, we are dedicated to providing you with a compass that points you towards the facts, the science, and the world's most well-trusted medical authorities on the subjects of health and nutrition. Dr. Michael Clapper most certainly has the heart of a hero, as he has shown every time he's been on the show. In addition to talking through the origins of the COVID-19 virus, as well as tips on how you can maximize your health and minimize risk. He also provides something we're not hearing much of right now, something called hope, the name of my youngest child. In fact, as he says, there is room for magic in this pandemic of possibilities. Hopefully, we will all emerge with a renewed sense of awareness and appreciation for our planet, our animals, and each other. Enjoy. Dr. Michael Clapper, welcome to the Plant Strong podcast. Normally we do these in person, but due to extenuating circumstances right now, uh, you're at home, I guess. Indeed, I am. You're at home and, and I'm, at, I'm at home. Are you, are you currently 
sheltering in place? We are sheltering in place uh, outside of our, our evening sanity bike rides that we take uh, down by the intercoastal waterway. We, we really don't go out. And uh, getting some work done, getting my emails answered, getting my taxes done, but uh, quite a, quite a yeah. price to pay. Yeah. Well, you know, you're right. It, and uh, it is a, such an interesting time. And, you know, last week I had my father uh, on the podcast and I can think of really nobody better uh, at this point than, than you to have on. Um, and I just love to kind of pick your brain a little bit and, sure. get, your, and get your thoughts mm-hmm. um, on kind of, you know, where we are right now uh, with this whole COVID-19 as a society, some of the moral dilemmas that we're, that we're facing right now, some of the opportunities that I think that this will present for us, uh, not only as, yes. a, as a society, but as a world. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to point out right in the beginning, because, you know, in my mind, I've always referred to you as Gandalf the Great, right? <laughs> because not only are you great, but you're just so wise and thoughtful and, and, and in my opinion, a true Renaissance man. And, and, uh, but to kind of set this conversation up, I just want to let people, listeners know, uh, but you're special besides just what I think of you, right? I mean, um, back a couple of years ago, you got the Courage of Conscious Award by Peace Abbey. And you got it the award as a philosopher, a humanitarian, an environmentalist uh, for the clarity and passion of your witness as a vegan physician. And that to me is a pretty am- amazing statement of you, Dr. Clapper. And you're in good company because alongside of you, other uh, award winners of this, uh, this, this Courage of Conscious Awards are Desmond Tutu, Maya Angelou, Sting, the Dalai Lama, Muhammad Ali, John Lennon. I mean, that's pretty good company right there. <laughs> yeah, me and Muhammad Ali, we, we, we hang out a lot. Yeah, we, we charmed in the ring. <laughs> uh, 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 but but uh, and, and uh, let me digress for a second, because you and I, the last time I saw you, we were on the uh, Holistic at Holiday vegan cruise. And it was probably it was probably the last cruise that was going to happen in 2020. Right. And, and it was uh, we got off the ship together February 28th, right. uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, that was that was a you know looking back on it, that was a pretty close call. It was another world back then. The way the page was just about to turn at that point. It really it yeah. really was. Yes. Um, but. And I remember we talked a little bit about, you know, the virus and what was going on, but now that it's been almost a month since I last saw you, can you share with me some of your, your thoughts about, uh, about this virus, where we are and where you think it might be going? Oh my, uh, big question, <laughs> uh, big issue. Uh, and uh, you might remember that, especially in the early days, but even now, you still heard, heard referred to as the novel coronavirus. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me, that has implications for the immunologists that we don't have antibodies against it, and uh, uh, the virologists are you know, still trying to tease things apart. The, 
but beyond that, we're just seeing how novel on a clinical point of view, from, from my point of view, uh, what this is uh, what this virus does in the body. Um, uh, gets in, people breathe it in, or it gets in uh, through their uh, nasal passages, mouth, or even the eyes, because it gets in uh, through the bloodstream and the lymphatics, and it rides through into the lungs, makes the lungs all inflamed, people start coughing it out, and then uh, the uh, uh, virus spreads from there. But we are now learning that it causes mischief in the body beyond just the nasty pneumonia that uh, quite a number of people get. I was just reading today, uh, Dr. Eric Topol, a cardiologist, reports how many people are getting uh, heart muscle damage uh, from the virus uh, and how many people get diarrhea as they cough up the, 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 the virus and then swallow it and it goes down into the intestinal tract. How many of them get this nasty diarrhea from it? Now, this is, this is one hefty virus, and, um, and it's highly contagious, uh, which is, you know, certainly a problem. And, uh, and it's, a, it's presenting all sorts of uh, uh, terrible uh, choices and effects uh, in yeah. our society. Uh, I was just reading today that uh, uh, there was a, a pulmonologist uh, doctor um, she says, I, you know, I put on the mask, I go into the patient's room, I don't even want to stand, I don't want to breathe the same air that this patient's breathing, I want to get out of there as soon as possible, I don't want to get this infection, I don't want to bring it home to my kids, so I'm in, out, uh, and she does what she has to do, but she, as I'm closing the door, I realize not only is my patient sick, but they're sick and alone. Uh, yeah. And this is an isolating virus. People don't want to be next to each other. And, you know, we're doing this uh, social isolation thing, but it's really magnified uh, in the medical setting. And, uh, and the sh dreadful shortage of ventilators uh, is putting such a, a, a terrible choice in front of people. There, there are people who, before the virus, were on a ventilator due to a stroke or some infection. And now the doctors are coming to the family saying, listen, we need the ventilator for these COVID patients. We may have to take your grandfather off the ventilator that he's been on for a month. Um, and whoever thought that, you know, we'd have to be making these kind of choices. And the contagion is so great that the upslopes are still uh, on the way up. Uh, we're a long way from the top of this virus. And so then we get this specter of uh, what's happening in Italy uh, soon to happen in, in our domestic hospitals uh, where, uh, you have patients uh, you know, dying in the hallways uh, 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 for respiratory failure and now, now heart failure. Um, it, it, we're in a dreadful state as far as uh, uh, the, our ability, the system's ability to combat it. That said, by act of mercy, most people get through this thing. Uh, yeah. They get a, a cough and a fever and they feel like they have the flu and they're achy for a few days and then they're over it. And that's the saving grace. Uh, and hopefully, a uh, gift of the virus is that it leaves a pretty hefty immunity, uh, makes the body create lots of antibodies. So every person who gets the infection and, and recovers is one less place now for the virus to call home. And so the herd immunity starts building up as, as the weeks go by here. So eventually, this thing will, will die down. Um, 
though, as Dr. Fauci uh, brought up yesterday, they're starting to see more of it in South, in South America and in the Southern Hemisphere as, as the, their seasons are opposite to ours. And now as they're heading into their, uh, their cool season, they're starting to see more viral infections, which means the Southern Hemisphere may act as a reservoir uh, of the virus where it hangs out during our, our summers. And then when we move into our winter, just like the flu comes back, the coronavirus may come back. This may be a cyclic thing going from the Northern to Southern Hemisphere every year. So we're at the beginning of quite a travail here. And, uh, and we hope our economy stays together and people stay nice to each other during these very, very stressful, isolating times. It's, uh, this is really unprecedented, it's really novel. But this is a bad novel. I'm not really interested in getting to the end of it. And, well, uh, at least I hope it has a happy ending. We'll, we'll leave it at that. It's but got to. It's got it's, to have. It's got to have one. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it truly, it truly does. So why is it that some people seem to just skate through this? They're asymptomatic. Some uh, and other people um, basically get. You know, they're fighting for their lives. Indeed. Um, there's lots of variables, and you're probably aware of many of them, and this is eventually going to come around to our healthy plant-based nutrition uh, interest we both share. Uh, but a lot depends, one, on uh, the, uh, the individual person's um, uh, baseline immunity, um, how big an exposure did someone cough right in their face, or was this just a, a, a small viral load? Um, but very importantly are the pre-existing conditions. We know the folks uh, with the, who are obese, uh, they don't do very well uh, in the hospitals for sure. Uh, just overweight people in general, diabetic people, people with cardiovascular disease, so they're, they're in heart failure, their lungs are full of fluid to begin with from the heart failure, and then the, the viral infection happens and uh, they get carried off. Uh, and so the folks with the pre-existing conditions but these pre-existing conditions are the standard American diet-induced diseases, uh, the obesity and diabetes, et cetera. And if we can get on the plant-based train and get people leaner and healthier, as these viruses roll through, they'll be much better able to withstand them and, and just be in that happy group that just gets the cough and the body aches for a couple of days. So, and, as, and, and as you and I both know, I think it's important for people to know, that you can really make a big dent in any of these pre-existing conditions in as little as one, two, three weeks. Absolutely, thank you for, for bringing that up. The body responds quickly to a healthy diet within days of, of getting those salads and soups and, and vegetables going through you there. Oh, the, the immune system spruces up, you take away all those heavy saturated fats and sugars and oxidized animal proteins and all these things that confuse our immune system. Our body is, is much healthier for it. And, uh, and weight starts coming down, insulin receptors clear out, diabetes gets better, blood pressure comes down. Uh, they get healthier all the way around, but very importantly, you want to keep that immune system healthy and nothing like those fresh fruits and vegetables to do that as well. So everything is better quickly. It's never too late to start eating healthy. No. Um, so I, I want to get back to something that, that you said earlier, and that was, um, you know, the economy, right? I mean, the, the, the economy is taking a, a pretty hard hit. The unemployment numbers just came out today, and there's over 3.2 million people that filed for unemployment. I can't imagine it's not 
exponentially higher than that in reality. Um, uh, there is a gentleman named Thomas Friedman who mm -hmm. wrote an opinion piece in the New York Times about is is the cure is the cure worth worse than the disease worth the cost right and and what it's going to do and it just as a philosopher you know I'd like to present that kind of moral uh, question to you I would never want to have to answer it but. <laughs> <laughs> right indeed. So, um, that's an issue, and it's going to take um, some generosity and creativity to get through this. Yes, the, the, uh, what Friedman is saying, you know, carried to its extreme, everything, you know, all of the social support systems crumble, and, and we become a, an unruly, desperate mob of people. We, we want to stop way short of that, and we want to keep uh, society functioning and money flowing. So the generosity is our own government and everyone being generous to each other. We need you know, money to keep it floating. But, um, but the, uh, we have to want this to succeed. We, you know, we have to really care about uh, the people around you and uh, su you know, support as much as you can uh, the people that are going through the, these terrible travails that have, that have lost their jobs. Um, the... Is, it, is the cure worse than, no, oh, so we're also going to take some, some creative re-engagement of our society. In other words, as I mentioned earlier, the young, healthy people who've gotten through this thing, they're immune. They can go back to work. They can become the caretakers. They can do the essential uh, jobs that we're, that we're all taking a hiatus from at this point. So there's got to be a way, well, hopefully, uh, be able to see who's immune. There's a simple blood test to do that. And those folks who are immune should get a, a blue armband and they, they can go to work with impunity and, and slowly get this uh, functional uh, society working again uh, by taking advantage of the immunity that's going to be increasing every day. More and more people are going to get immune. So if you have with enough money to keep it afloat, with some generosity on everybody's day-to-day -day spirit and, and some smart uh, re-engagement of the immune people, uh, yeah, we can get through this thing. So we, hopefully we don't have to make that choice. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I do feel like what we're seeing right now before us is um, kind of in some ways the government saying one thing and then the states wanting to do something else. And I think we'll see how this ultimately unfolds. Uh, you know, and of course, yeah. Trump and his, and his administration are saying, listen, let's, 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 let's get back there as soon as we think it's right. And then we have some of these states that are like, hey, we want to be in lockdown for like another month or two. I hope that you've heard the statistic that animal agriculture is estimated to contribute half of global greenhouse gas emissions. Well, like you, I feel strongly that each and every one of us needs to do what we can to help reduce our strain on the environment. My friends at Wild Earth Dog Food are avoiding these impacts by sourcing nutrient-packed ingredients that don't come from animals. The number one ingredient in their dog food is yeast. It's a superfood that has more protein, calorie for calorie, than any form of meat. Now, that's a win-win for your dog and the planet. It takes 90% fewer resources to make a bag of Wild Earth clean protein dog food than your average brand name kibble. 
If you'd like to try a bag, please visit wildearth.com or Amazon and use the code PLANTSTRONG to save 40% off your first order. It's very unfortunate that uh, we weren't able to get ahead of this thing. Um, but now, given the fact that we didn't, uh, I think we got to do everything we can to- Absolutely, absolutely. To do the, the yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing telemedicine consults uh, with, with patients uh, to, uh, to help decide who has uh, uh, COVID and who doesn't. And uh, uh, I was going to go down to the, uh, uh, to the center, but they said, how old are you? <laughs> 72. They said, no, you, you, stay, you do it by telemedicine. Yeah. And so, uh, so I've been doing telemedicine consults as my, my contribution to, uh, uh, to help people decide what to do. But, but do you, so do you feel like doing uh, telemedicine uh, consults, you can actually determine if somebody you, you think has COVID-19? Oh, yeah, you can, you can see uh, if they look sick or not. You can, you can have them get closer to the microphone, you can hear them breathe, you can hear them cough. Uh, you can hear that wet cough. You can see that they look sick and, and they're, uh, they're running a fever. You tell them, yes, you need to go get tested. But there's other folks who just look really good and say, now let's check in with each other tomorrow. Let's see how you're doing. And uh, you Wait, like keep folks out of the system. You said there's an easy, an easy test. There uh, will be. Uh, there's a blood test for the antibodies. Uh, if you have the infection, you form antibodies. And there's going to be a, a fingertip blood step, blood test or just to draw a small tube of blood. And you get the test back in a, in a couple of hours. And eventually, they'll have one where the little red lines appear on the paper there, uh, you know, like the strep test, uh, that will uh, be even faster than that. But uh, yeah, they're going to be doing blood tests for antibodies. Yeah. Right. Because that's one of the things that I, that I was very impressed with when I learned about what China and South Korea, uh, Hong Kong were doing as far as just testing like millions of people. And mm -hmm. it seems like, again, that's another place we're way behind the curve on is testing to see actually, you know, who has it, who doesn't have it, quarantining, sequestering. Uh, you know, some people say they're taking some pretty dr draconian measures. Indeed. But, but in my opinion, you know, you, you, at this point, you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. And while we're talking about China, um, yeah. I just have to say, um, as, the, as you and I are both friends of animals, uh, where this thing really came from. And well, yeah, please share. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a violation of natural law, ultimately, is where it comes down. We are, we are cutting down the forests around the world, and we are pushing into the jungles where the monkeys live, and they've got their viruses. We're going into bat caves and taking bats off the walls, and bats are teeming with viruses. And, uh, and that's where this particular virus came from. Um, and, you know, a thousand years ago when protein you know, was, a, was an issue and survival was an issue, maybe you, you could justify eating bats. There's no reason at all anyone should want to eat a bat today outside of some strange cultural preference. But they go and they, they take the bats off the walls, they snag them out of the air when they fly, and they bring these poor bats to the wet markets. Uh, and uh, when someone wants uh, a bat uh, butchered and put into their soup, uh, then some poor bat was taken out of a cage and laid on a chopping block and, uh, and butchered. And when that cleaver came down and, uh, and severed that poor animal's uh, abdomen, it split open the, the bladder and the, and the intestines. 
and the bat urine went all over full of viruses and the bat feces went all over full of viruses and the, whoever had the cleaver, you know, probably wiped their face and uh, wound up with a virus uh, uh, in their bloodstream and then into their lungs and started coughing. And that was patient zero and, uh, and human history changed with that cleaver blow. And, uh, we're, and uh, we're, we're facing the results uh, from that unfortunate uh, culinary choice. Uh, and this is not to point a finger at the Chinese because we're doing the same thing in, in these confinement operations with the millions of pigs and chickens and cows that we crowd together. We're breeding these same kind of viruses and it's just a matter of time for another virus leaks out of some pig confinement operation we have here uh, or some uh, chicken, another chicken virus uh, comes out, the H1N1 virus, the chicken virus, uh, it's a poultry virus. Uh, and uh, so it's this, it's our unnatural diet. You know, this is a message from the animals saying, we are not your food. You big hairless simians, you eat your rice and beans and greens and you'll be healthy. Stop eating us. We are, stop eating bats and, and cows and chickens. We're not, we're not your food. And, uh, and hopefully we'll listen to the message this time. Well, well but doesn't it, it seems, it, it seems to me like this isn't, um, just a message from um, the animals, but it's also a message from Mother Nature, basically letting us know that, hey, I'm giving you guys an opportunity here to kind of get your act together collectively. And if there's one thing that this has really taught me um, is that how absolutely interconnected we all are as a world. I mean, it, like you just said there, if that you know, that chef in China takes that cleaver and cuts that bat in half. And now six months later, the whole world is, you know, basically fighting this thing. That's, that is some, that's crazy. Absolutely. And, and so um, what do you see as some of the silver lining in this that will allow us to come out of this as better, stronger, more compassionate, thoughtful, you know, plant strong human beings. You named it just now, <laughs> that question. Now that's you know, this is going to change us. There's no question. This is going to change how we interact with each other. It's going to change education. Uh, it's going to change commerce. Uh, it's going to change medicine uh, for sure. Uh, and and we're in our cocoons now for, for six weeks, eight weeks, ten, however long it's going to be, assuming everyone uh, doesn't get too desperate here. When we come out uh, of our cocooning here, hopefully there'll be a, that we can go and hug each other again. That's going to be so sweet that you know, we can't we're at a hug lockdown at this point. Um, the, the, <laughs> hug, you know, a hug lockdown. Or a handshake. You can shake a hand to go to a restaurant and enjoy a meal with other people. It's going to be so sweet. I hope that people uh, don't uh, get too jaded uh, and that the, the enjoyment of that doesn't fade away. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can have some real discussions about where this really came from and to have a look at animal agriculture and that that's really the, the underlying issue here. Yeah. and uh, we can't keep doing this and hopefully we'll have a decent uh, discussion about that and uh, and treat each other a lot better and see how much 
how little we need to to drive our cars and run around and 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 waste so much energy and time. Uh, I think it's going to increase the the appreciation we have for our lives, for each other, for our freedom, uh, for 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 sanitation, for and for all those wonderful people, the folks who they're still collecting the garbage, they're still, you know, the, um, there's still electricity, somebody's down at that the, at Florida Power and Light making sure I got electricity that, so the water keeps flowing um, and the toilets keep flushing, thank, bless all those people. And uh, so it certainly increases my appreciation for all, all those people who make our society run. And uh, and there's there's great potential here for uh, for creativity and uh, generosity, even on electronic levels. So, uh, room for magic here. Let's let's see what happens. No, there is, there is. I like. As that. Rich, as Rich says, a pandemic of possibilities. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a nice but phrase. I, I like that. I like room for magic. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. I think that we're going to look back uh, at this period uh, uh, in in time. And we're and it's basically going to be like there was the world BC and AC, right? Yeah, absolutely. Before COVID nineteen and, and after, after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> after Corona. Exactly. Truly, truly. I, I mean, yes. I just I just look at my little you know world with my family and you know my um, my goings out into the world or not going out in the world anymore. I went for like a, a mountain bike ride this morning and it was like heaven. Yes. <laughs> Right? Well, yes. My wife and I take our sanity rides every evening on our bikes. Absolutely. So that oh, was, yeah, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. But all the kids, like we're figuring out how to manage at the house and we got the three kids and they're doing online courses and they're each in their bedroom doing their online, you know, uh, well, one's in kindergarten, but they're doing some online stuff in kindergarten. Right. <laughs> That's great. And then fifth grade and seventh grade. But it's also amazing to me how fast everyone is pivoting now to online, you know, uh, using, using Zoom, starting to cook. People are starting to cook at cook home. Cook again, look at that, right. There's a, there's a left-handed blessing there, whoever's wow. yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, never, never been a better time to be in the food business, that's for sure. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Right, right, yeah. all, those, all those grocers. Mm -hmm. uh, Backyard gardening should get a boost, and uh, in, indoor sprouting will, will probably be a, an art form. Soon. Yes, yes. Right. It's funny you mentioned that because behind our house we have this little little plot of 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 land, and we for the first time we spent all day Saturday putting in a sixteen by eight foot garden. Um, Good move. Good move. But what a what a fun project too. Mm -hmm, absolutely sure. Under, undertake with the family mm -hmm. uh, well i uh so i asked the plant strong podcast listeners if they had any questions for you after you and i talked about the coronavirus and i'm wondering if you would uh bless us by answering a few questions uh, it'd be my pleasure of course all right all right awesome awesome uh so Let's see. So the first question I have for you, and this is one that, you know, as you, you being a, a, a plant, a plant strong man for gosh, almost what, 35, 40 years, 40 years, huh? 40 yeah. years. I'm going on about 33. I got I'm seven years behind you. My man. <laughs> Keep running. You'll catch up. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but, but you and I both know, 
there's certain supplements that you, you want to be taking. And so this question comes from Teresa Stewart. And she wants to know, could Dr. Clapper please explain to me what is the better form of B12? Is it the methylcobalamin uh, or the cyanocobalamin? And I apologize if I butcher right. <laughs> yeah. And then also she wants to know what dosage you recommend. Right. Um, I have long uh, advocated taking methylcobalamin, uh, but I'm starting uh, so many people, Dr. Gregor's on my case about that one, but he's a big cyanocobalamin fan. Uh, he says it lasts longer, everybody can convert it, it's not an issue and it's cheaper. And I don't think there's a heck of a lot of difference actually. So, um, so I'm starting to come over to the cyanocobalamin uh, side. Uh, you don't need very much and don't take it every day by the way we're starting we used to think there's no toxicity but there's starting to be some reports that if people take it every day and just saturate their tissues with it um, that uh, there might be an increased risk of some types of cancer growth so um so you only you, only, you store the stuff in your body you don't need it every day so the dosages would be a thousand micrograms once or twice a week at the most or five, uh, 250 to 500 micrograms uh, four or five times a week. You don't need to take it every day and, and reduce the dose down, but you don't need a thousand micrograms every day, that, that's for sure. And it's okay to use either the methylcobalamin or the cyanocobalamin. And uh, just so people know the difference, does one come from animals and then no, one is- No, they're both plant-derived, uh, uh, but the cyanocobalamin, the one that's more shelf-stable and is cheaper, um, uh, the cyano, it has a little uh, molecule there of a carbon, cash, nitrogen, and cyanide. And, uh, and so people are all upset that, uh oh, I want to take my vitamins that have cyanide in it. Yeah. But again, this, you know, this is the same micro, micro, micro dose of the stuff. Um, and it's more an aesthetic uh, thing that people don't want to be taking. And if they, do, if they don't want to, then they should use the methylcobalamin. But they're both, uh, they're both Got quite acceptable. And chewable, non-chewable? Um, I, um, I like the chewable. I like the ones that dissolve in your tongue rather than swallowing them. So yes, uh, take one that um, needs uh, to be uh, chewed up or dissolved on your tongue. And just for anybody that doesn't know, can you explain uh, why it is we want to supplement with B12? You bet. Uh, vitamin B12 is absolutely essential to keep your brain running, keep your spinal cord functioning, and make blood. Uh, it's, a, it's an essential vitamin. Um, and um, where does it come from? Uh, animals don't make it, even though it's in beef, as uh, he-men like to say. Um, but cows don't make it, pigs don't make it, chicks, chickens don't make it, no animal makes it. It's made by microbes that live in the soil. And, um, and cows and pigs and buffalo and deer have have B12 in their muscles because they're eating grass all day. And they're pulling up clumps of grass that have particles of dirt clinging to the roots. And in those dirt particles are these B12 producing organisms. And so the cow or the, the buffalo swallows the, uh, the organisms and they produce B12 in their stomach and it gets absorbed into the animal's muscle. And if you kill the animal and eat it, you'll, you'll get the B12 that way. But it was microbial B12 all along. The, the cow didn't make it. Right. Uh, so, uh, well, what about us? 
the, when we were living Earth-connected lives a uh, thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, uh, the same B12 was flowing through our intestinal tract as the deer and the antelope. We, we'd spend all day foraging, and most of our calories came from roots and tubers that were pulled up out of the ground. They had, they had soil clinging to the surface, and, and we didn't wash it under chlorinated drinking water. We just knocked it on our leg and ate it. Uh, and we would get some B12 that way. <clears throat> when we were thirsty, we would find a nearest stream and plop down next to it and drink stream water. And there'd be B12 in the stream water from the animals and the natural environment. So when we were living those earth-connected lives, the same B12 was flowing through our intestinal tract as through the animals. But welcome to the 21st century. Nobody is drinking out of streams. Nobody's eating unwashed vegetables. And, um, and that's okay. Uh, they're, they're chlorinating the drinking water, which kills bacteria, which is okay with me because I don't want to be treating cases of cholera and typhoid fever. But in adding that chlorine, you're killing off the bacteria that make B12. And it's, and it's because of modern sanitation. It's the bargain we make uh, to not have to deal with contaminated water and cholera and, and uh, typhoid, uh, that we say, okay, uh, we'll, we'll sacrifice our natural B12 sources. And it's for that reason, uh, due to modern sanitation, that today's plant eater uh, needs to take some supplemental B12. Uh, and it's, uh, and it's they, they grow these same organisms in big vats and, and just extract the, the B12 directly. And uh, and yeah, some they can add a little cyanide, <laughs> some of them to great cyanocobalamin. But the cobalamin molecule is, is what the, the microbes make. It's not, it's not very stable, and so that's why they, they add these uh, molecules to stabilize them. But uh, so basically, long answer, but uh, no. we've lost the natural sources of B12. Yeah. That's, that's why we have to take it to, as a supplement. Uh, you, you know a lot about B12. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. So if I was to go get a blood test and get tested, do you know, like, what are the ideal ranges that I want my B12 yes. to be? Oh, that's an important question, because I'm always shocked when I see the range of normals um, the, uh, on the lab test. And it uh, goes up to 900 micrograms, uh, 900 micrograms in your bloodstream, and that, that, that's fine. No, nanograms, sorry. Um, but the lower limit, they accept 200 nanograms in your bloodstream as normal. That's way too low. Uh, and people get, are getting symptoms by that time of B12 deficiency. Um, I like to see those numbers between 600 and 900 uh, 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 micrograms of uh, B12 in your, in your bloodstream. Uh, don't let it fall below 500. You definitely should be taking some by then. Well, so what are some symptoms that somebody to start exhibiting if they're yeah. running low. Oh, um, and I've seen a, a few cases of it. And uh, uh, the nerves get inflamed. And so people notice numbness and tingling in their, their, in their fingers and their toes. It feels like they're, they got mittens on or, uh, or actual feel pain in there. And then after a while, their, their tongue gets sore. The tongue will get smooth and, and sore. They get a glossitis uh, from B12 deficiency. And uh, so these are classic signs, but uh, I had one patient that had bad vertigo and uh, really severe and they get the B12 levels and it was way below 200. So, um, so those are the main, they're neurologic symptoms mostly, uh, numbness and tingling in the extremities. Right, right, right. Uh, so I have another question from Alicia Allison and it's kind of along the same lines. And that is, could you ask Dr. Clapper Besides B12, are there any other supplements that he recommends for somebody that's on a whole food plant-based 
diet. Right. Uh, not necessarily supplements, but there's a couple of nutrients that you want to make sure you're getting enough of. Um, iodine for your thyroid gland is really important. Uh, every molecule of thyroid hormone has four atoms of iodine. Uh, and so you need either to, uh, uh, and there used to be iodine in the soils, but uh, they've been depleting the soils. Uh, so, because it should be in the vegetables. Uh, but just to be sure, uh, you can uh, get some nice organic sea vegetable seaweeds like wakame or arame uh, and, uh, and throw a gob of it into your super salad a few times a week. Uh, that should supply the iodine that you need. The uh, wakame is the green stuff in the salads at the Japanese restaurant. You, you recognize yeah. it. I, I like the taste of it. Yeah. Um, and you can use a pinch, a pinch of salt at the table. Um, uh, if you're not using it in your cooking, you're not eating in restaurants, you can put a pinch of salt at the table. And, and you might as well use iodized salt for that. So a little pinch of iodized salt uh, at the table a few times a week. You know, that should meet your, your iodine needs. Um, Zinc uh, is important uh, for healthy nails and, and muscles and skin. Um, so you, that's in whole grains and in root vegetables and, uh, and legumes. So, so make sure you have plenty of grains and legumes and, and root vegetables. Um, uh, B12, iodine, uh, zinc, uh, vitamin D, because we all live inside these days and there's very little sunlight falling on people's skin to create vitamin D. So- um, can, I, can I, let me, can I ask no. you a question about vitamin D? D mm -hmm. because you know it's 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 the sunshine vitamin right it's kind of more like a hormone but it is and your in your opinion and I know that you know Dr. Uh, John McDougall has basically you know says the jury is still out on vitamin D supplementation do you have any uh, what is, what's your opinion on supplementing with vitamin D and at what levels do you recommend that right um uh, Dr. Medulla is opposed to it uh, in that it won't um, reverse osteoporosis, and I agree, osteoporosis is not a vitamin D deficiency, and so I'm not surprised that it doesn't reverse it. Uh, but vitamin D is involved in so many other reactions in the body, from, uh, uh, from immune health to membrane stabilization, uh, that it's the, it's the other functions of vitamin D beyond calcium issues uh, that make me think it's a good idea to... Uh, uh, to have uh, sufficient levels of vitamin D in the blood. Uh, as Dr. Greger points out, uh, 2,000 international units uh, it would be safe for, for everybody to take and would probably keep you above a threshold where you might be more uh, susceptible to, um, to immune problems or, uh, uh, or uh, membrane breakdown in, in various places in the body. Um, so, 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 mm -hmm. so, so if, I'm, uh, if I go in for a blood test, Right. And my vitamin D comes back at 35. Do you recommend any? any That's a decent note. I like to see it over 30. So I'll, I'll take uh, 30 uh, or higher than, than that. But if it's down at 10, uh, you probably yeah. want to take some supplemental vitamin D. Okay. okay. Right. And, then, and then, yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, make sure you have enough um, omega-3 uh, containing, uh, omega-3 fat containing foods in your diet. Uh, a handful of walnuts, a couple of uh, tablespoons of flax seeds or chia seeds onto your cereal or your salad. Um, should provide enough um, uh, 
uh, of the basic uh, linolenic acid for you to make uh, all your long chain omega-3s. But if you're a pregnant woman or you're an elderly person, you may not be able to make that conversion so well. So uh, if you're pregnant, you probably should be taking some algae-derived DHA, uh, about two, 250 300 milligrams a day. And if you're over 65 or 70, probably not a bad idea to, to take that as well. But most right. folks need that. Right. I saw something, I think it might have been on vegsource.com that Jeff Nelson posted, uh, mm -hmm. where you were, you were kind of reconsidering your... I was your... advocating it for everybody, for all vegans, and uh, realized that probably is not necessary. And I'm not sure um, that there's no adverse effect uh, to take it. It, it suppresses um, the... Um, uh, it, it changes the metabolism of, of long-chain fatty acids. It makes membranes more permeable. Uh, DHA is in every cell membrane. And uh, the concern is um, if there's carcinogens in the air or in the water, are you making your, by taking extra DHA, are you making your membranes more permeable to carcinogens, to mutagens, to things that may uh, lead to uh, inflammations or tumors or whatever down the road? Uh, I just don't know. And if you don't know something, then uh, it's uh, best to uh, err on the side of, uh, uh, of uh, conservatism. So. Yeah. But it's for that reason that I've backed off saying all vegans should be taking DHA. But if you're a pregnant vegan, you certainly should. And yeah. uh, elderly vegan, you, should, you certainly should. And then that's just where I'm leaving right now. But it doesn't excuse the person from making sure you get the, the, those DHA-containing foods in. Uh, if you're a junk food vegan, you're going to run into trouble. And uh, that, that's one way that it happens. Right. Um... Good. I think I think that pretty much covers it. Let me ask you this before we move on to another question. Sure. What what supplements are uh, you and Elise taking? Oh, um, if, if, right. If uh, we just take the B12 uh, at this point, um, and uh, uh, B12 is the main thing that we're taking because our diet is just so rich. It works uh, very well with us. Um, uh, I have a. Um, a bottle of Dr. Furman's multivitamins in my fridge, and I take one every so often, mostly because it has the iodine in it. And those yeah. we're not consuming any, I'll, I'll take one of Dr. Furman's multivitamins. I think he's got a very good formulation there. He can tone down all these high potency vitamins that can cause problems. He's got this very modest dosage there. And I, I feel okay about taking his from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know when I was first getting into this and I wrote Engine, the Engine 2 Diet, and I was just looking at how some of these antioxidants like uh, vitamin A, vitamin C, selenium, when you take them in supplemental form, they actually can do more harm than good. And I was really surprised, but you look at the mega, uh, the meta-analyses and it's very clear. Absolutely, absolutely. And you, know, you can't do one thing in the body. You take your belt in there with you know, 15,000 units of vitamin A. Well, we can't get rid of 15,000 units of vitamin A. And it starts building up in our tissues. And, and people who take high-dose vitamin A get hip fractures. And the folks yeah. who take um, uh, uh, high-dose folic acid uh, get breast lumps. And guys get prostate cancers from and it. Calcium. And, and calcium. And calcium is another one. Uh, yeah, it's a dumb mineral. People think, oh, we're going to make my bones strong. Well, it winds up calcifying the tissues all over the body. You wind up calcifying arteries and ligaments and tendons and bursa. Uh, I'm not a big fan of calcium supplements uh, for that reason. 
So uh, less is more, get your nutrients out of food. The, the salad is the main dish, Dr. Roman says. The salad is your, is your vitamin tablet. You yeah. want to eat big, colorful salads every day. That's where you get the vitamins. Yeah, I saw, I saw a poster once and it, uh, it had a big orange or a big apple and it said, peel your vitamins. <laughs> right. Very nice, absolutely, much better. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, this is a question from Mimi, and uh, it's kind of a sensitive topic, especially, I'll say, for women in this society, and that is, it's hair loss. And she said that she's um, having some hair loss. Uh, she's tried all kinds of treatments, home remedies without any kind of results. Could you uh, please us, Dr. Clapper, uh, if he has any suggestions. I'm currently taking B12, zinc, and at times a prenatal um, multivitamin. Um, also, uh, early into menopause, I think. Um, right. But I know, I know this is a question that I've heard you answer before at some mm -hmm. of our immersions and conferences. Right. What do you think? So, uh, hair loss in women is obviously a very sensitive issue. My wife has uh, similar issues. And a lot has to do, when I look at pictures of my wife's mother, I see when, when she became an older woman, uh, her hair got thin as well. So, there's a big genetic component to this. Yeah. Um, and there's a big hormonal component. Um, uh, when a woman is pregnant, as all our pregnant uh, folks who were pregnant will remember, uh, one of the lovely uh, side effects is the, all the estrogen coursing through the woman's body. They get this luxurious growth of hair uh, during pregnancy. But then after the delivery of the baby and the estrogen levels go down, one of the most disturbing uh, things the woman knows, my hair is falling out because falling estrogen levels uh, will do that. Uh, and uh, and there, there's a physiologic logic behind uh, why the body does that. But falling estrogen levels often re result in hair loss. Now, the hair follicles are still there, and they're capable of pushing out another hair shell. But a drop in estrogen levels um, will, uh, will uh, set the stage for hair loss. Well, uh, Mimi's got two factors here. One, uh, if she adopted, uh, once she's going through menopause, so by definition, she's got a, a drop in estrogen there. And second, uh, a, the a vegan diet, plant-based diet, without the dairy that people have been eating loaded with estrogens and oh. chicken that's full of estrogens, uh, when you take that away, estrogen levels fall. And, and so adopting a, a whole food plant-based diet can result in lower estrogen levels. And between the two, the women notice hair loss. Um, as I said, part of it's just, you know, older women have get, depending on your mother's genetics, you're, you're gonna have some thinning hair. It's, it's just part of aging. Uh, but, uh, but she would want to do things to keep her own estrogen levels up. And here's where the phytoestrogens in soy products, I think, can play a role. And she should uh, be someone who enjoys uh, uh, a helping of edamame beans and uh, put uh, tofu and tempeh into her, into her spaghetti sauces and uh, scrambled tofus. Uh, and um, so the, the phytoestrogens would be a good idea. Uh, give her body um, enough omega-3s. Here's someone, especially she's postmenopausal here, um, to be really generous with the walnuts and the flaxseed, et cetera, because this yeah. will help estrogen production as well. Uh, and, um, you know, as we get older, women, you know, elderly women often, you know, have a, they get more masculine in their appearance because of, uh, 
of um, testosterone, their, their, their adrenal glands put out testosterone, and as estrogen levels fall, they get a more of a testosterone dominance, and so that also, as you can see, uh, creates hair loss. Uh, so, so you want to minimize uh, things that uh, may produce an, a, a, a testosterone yeah. dominance, uh, and uh, there are certain herbal preparations that will do that, so you want to avoid those. That, I found that 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 whole explanation fascinating about the estrogen levels falling. And then especially if you're hitting menopause and you're doing a whole food plant-based diet and you're not doing all the dairy, uh, you know, and the chicken and stuff that has the estrogens in it. That's fascinating. Indeed. But hair loss is not a terminal condition and uh, <laughs> it's, it's distressing, but you get through it though. Yeah. No, no, but you know, we, we are, we tend to be a very vain society. We are, we yeah. are, and, and I want to minimize it. A woman wants to you know, hold onto her hair, of course. Absolutely. So, so it's interesting. So you said, you know, as women start to age, you know, the estrogen comes down, the testosterone comes up. With men, is it just the opposite? It's the opposite, actually. Yes, right. The, the uh, testes can turn and can produce estrogens, and us guys wind up with the man boobs and all that. It's a, uh, wow. Nature's the great equalizer as we get older. <laughs> we all kind of converge. So, so men are turning into women and women are turning into men. We all become these androgynous beings. Uh, the, as, as the elders, you know, sex becomes irrelevant. Uh, 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 In your 80s, you want to just be a wise, loving person. That's the most important thing. Oh, your my God. Is much less important. I love it. I love it. Uh, let, me, let me hit you with maybe just two or three more sure, questions. Yeah, fine. I'm enjoying it. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, so this is from uh, Sulin Curtis Petit, uh, and uh, I'm going to frame up this question a little bit for you. So you for, God, I want to say maybe 10 to 15 years, you worked at True North Health Center, uh, which is really known for, do, for water fasting. And so she wants to know, can you ask Dr. Clapper, if I want to do some water fasting at home, What's the safest like amount of time I can do that without a doctor's supervision? Oh, very important question. Now, this assumes that the patient is health, the person is healthy and not taking any medications. And uh, that, uh, that is very important that you don't have underlying type 1 diabetes or runaway high blood pressure or whatever. You're a basically healthy person and you're not taking medications because medications get potentiated on a fast and you get big side effects. So if you, you don't want to fast if you're taking high blood pressure pills or, or um, uh, anti-inflammatories, etc. So assuming neither of those two factors are evident. Um, everybody can, uh, we, we now know, can go weeks without solid food, truth of it is. Uh, but as far as staying within a window where you're likely not to get lightheaded, not to get nauseated, not to uh, lend any side effects, uh, healthy people can do up to, up to a five-day fast at home. But start easy, just start with one day or two days. Just go from, you know, some start on Friday night, start drinking water. And all day Saturday and all day Sunday, just drink water and, uh, and have a light meal on Monday, just, just to put your toe in the water. Yeah, I got through two days. Uh, now, the, the earliest days of the fast are the roughest. That's when you're the most hungry. Uh, by day three and certainly by day four and five, hunger usually goes away. Uh, and so, so don't get too discouraged if those first two day fasts were, were, boy, that was unpleasant. 
but is but then try a three-day fast and then build up to a four-day fast once a month to do, do this and uh, you can build up to a five-day fast. everybody who's healthy could do a five-day fast once a month at home and would probably do us all good we all eat too much there so five days is, is the window that she's looking for you build up to that and yeah it should be a wonderful experience for you so uh, what do you currently do? Do you, do you try and do a, a water fast one or two days a month? Uh, we do about every, about every other month, we'll do a four or five day fast. We just get, you know, we've eaten too much uh, heavy food there. We need to just clean out the body wants. Uh, and uh, though my wife's very, very lean and, uh, and she doesn't do well with these long fasts. Uh, yeah. So we'll often do a juice club. We'll just do three days on green juices. And that's a wonderful thing that cleans you out really nicely. So we do that fairly frequently. Um, I've got another question for you and I, I, I'm going to love your answer to this one. But before I, before I hit you with it, um, I want to I want to just take you back for a second because in season one of the Plant Strong podcast, I had you on and you were we discussed the paleo and the keto diet and how they were just you know like runaway freight trains just their popularity but how they were just really a, a, when it gets down to it very atrocious uh, ways of of eating and, and and living especially in light of everything that's going on right now with COVID nineteen. But if you remember, I told you, I said, Dr. Clapper, do you know that the next iteration of this is going to be the carnivore diet? And we had a big laugh and you're like, oh my gosh. And I don't know if you've seen you, it. You called it. You but called it. it. Careful what you asked for. You're right. Oh, but I've seen it. There's the carnivore cookbook, the carnivore code. It is out there. And it's like this Atkins South Beach uh, you know, paleo, keto, it won't go away. Uh, yeah, our species. Yeah. Our species. Uh, homo sapiens, strange species. We, we are so clearly plant-eating creatures and to have become carnivorous apes. You know, that's not who we are. No other simian does that. And uh, this is strictly hedonistic eating. Uh, I could take that steak on our tongue and we, we create that he man, caveman idea in our heads, and so oh, it's good. Um, but it's spawning all sorts of inflammation and infections and tumors in your gut and uh, and injuring your arteries and setting off cancers in the colon wall. Uh, this is a diet of death, and it's going to destroy this planet. Uh, I'll. I'll um, uh, uh, invite your uh, listeners to go to uh, my website, drclapper.com. I just put, posted a video called Diet for Livable Future. And it talks about the cost of meat-based diets and what the, what the deforesting of our planet has done and, and, and for the sake of meat-based diets and how such a diet, if they're advocating, oh, everybody ought to be eating carnivore, you know, it would destroy this planet, destroy all of us. And, and I talked about exactly how that would happen in the, uh, in that video, it's called Diet for Livable Future. Now, all the way around, it's gonna kill the people who eat it, it's gonna kill the animals, it's gonna kill the planet. It, that's a diet of death and uh, should be I, 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 such. Go ahead. I, I think it's important that people know your website, it's doctor, but it's spelled D-O-C-T-O-R. Yeah, D-O-C-T-O-R-K-L-A-P-E-R, one P in Clapper. Yes, yeah. uh, drclapper.com. Right, yeah. thank you for that, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but that, that's my, but it's on my YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and okay. you look for Dr. Clapper, you'll find Diet for a Livable Future there. Check yep. it out. Uh, so here's a question. It's, it's kind of a, a fun one. Uh, this is from Mary, Mary Mackey. My husband has ADHD and eats fast, Dr. Clapper. Consequently, he has gas all the time. I've been married to him for 28 years, and I'm tired of his gas, right? Honestly, how can I get him to slow down? It's really hard for people to have ADHD. What advice would you give to Mary for her husband to slow down and to help prevent his gas? Fascinating subject. It's funny, but it's not. And she's right. Yeah. And, uh, and if you go to my website and see my video, Digestion Made Easy, I talk about all the air that we swallow as we're eating. And, and most of what he, the wind that he's passing is swallowed air that he's, uh, uh, that he's uh, taking in with his food. Um, so what should, what should he do? I, I bet you Mary thinks it's more than just air. He does, she does, and uh, there's no question. Um, you know, the bacteria you know, produce a little methane, a little hydrogen sulfide, they give a little odiferous uh, thing to it. Uh, but it's mo most of the gas is the swallowed air. There's air in between the grains of rice. Uh, there's air every time we swallow, put into the stomach. Uh, a lot of swallowed air, and, and she's saying, she, and the, the fast eating, that's probably mostly his problem. So what could be done? Um, if he, if, he wants, if he recognizes it all and wants to make it uh, simple and wants to make it better, uh, the simplest thing is for him to agree um, that uh, every time he puts a, a, a fork full of food in his mouth, he puts the fork down on the plate. They, we, they should both hear that little clink as yeah. the fork is the plate. And he needs to chew that food to a cream because in doing so, he will force the air out of the food. He's going to swallow a lot less air. So put the fork down in between bites. You know, start with that. And uh, try smaller, pour, smaller plates, literally. Um, and because uh, it, it, uh, they're less likely to, to wolf it down if he's got to go back and reload his, his plate up each time. Uh, if, he, if he cuts everything into smaller pieces and eats them one, one bite at a time and puts the fork down in between, hopefully he'll, he'll swallow less air and, uh, and we'll both be happier and healthier for it. Yes. Well, Brilliant. Let's hope that uh, he, he ha he's able to slow down and qu quell the ADHD. Yeah, I mean, that's when we, we taste the foods, when we're, we're chewing it. There shouldn't, he shouldn't, we should, all of us shouldn't be in a big hurry to wolf it down and swallow it right down there. It's linger with the food, and that's when you're, that's where the enjoyment is. So. Well, the good news is now that we're hunkering down a little bit more and sheltering in place. You've got time to enjoy your meals. You don't have to run out and catch a plane. Yeah. Uh, so yes, this is the time to, to retool our, our eating habits. Maybe that's another blessing that comes out. We'll enjoy our, our food much more. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so as, we, um, as, we, as we close this out, uh, I'd like to ask you this question. This is Heidi from Sarasota. And we've kind of touched upon it, but I just, I just want to make sure that uh, we, we haven't missed something here. And her question for Dr. Clapper is, Dr. Clapper, have you known are there any stats out there that you're aware of that show that people following a whole food plant-based diet are recovering faster from COVID-19? 
Right, not at this time. Uh, that's of course such an important question, and we're all just trying to push through this and just to get to the other side of it. But when the dust settles, you know, that's such important research. They should go to the folks who survived. The what? What did you eat? Uh, and 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 you can do this in yeah. retrospect, uh, and it should be done. Uh, and I hope, like you know, everything else with our. Uh, with our Moving Medicine Forward initiative, where I'm trying to wake the young medical students up that what your patients are eating is, is the reason they're sitting in front of you as uh, the cause of so many of these diseases. Um, but it's because nutrition never even enters the, uh, the picture when it comes to most doctors' diagnosis and treatment. Well, the same thing here. They're, you know, they're going to be focused on antibody levels and, uh, and respiratory functional stuff. But a real question, what were these people eating? And the folks who, who died, what were they eating? Talk to the families. Uh, what were they served in the hospitals? If, if, uh, on every level, the food is the hidden power card in there. The, the, it's going to turn out why so many survived and so many didn't. Uh, it's the food, like everything else here. It's yeah. not everything, of course. We talked about you know your underlying conditions, yeah, which is also food-related, uh, and then the amount of virus and all that stuff. But the food's an important uh, factor here, and uh, and I hope that research is done. I'll, I'll be looking for it, and if I find any study of somebody who did it, I will get back to you because it's a, an important piece of information for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. So you know, um, out, outside of um, social distancing and sequestering ourselves and sheltering in place. Some of the other things I've read and heard about, I just love for you to either agree or comment on, uh, are staying hydrated. How staying Absolutely. Hydrated. You bet. I'm glad you said that. I was going to suggest that. Yes. Important. You want, I uh, don't want your secretions to get thicker in your lungs or any place. And that's what happens when we don't drink enough water. Um, we want to be able to give your kidneys enough uh, water to flush out uh, any waste products that get generated to, that might suppress our immune system. Uh, and all the way around, our, our brain functions better when we're hydrated. Surely our immune cells, our lymphocytes, uh, function better when they've got enough water. So yes, keep yourself well hydrated. Well, I also read something about how if, if you're really well hydrated and you get exposed to the, the COVID-19, uh, it has a better chance of not getting into the lungs if you're, but I, I don't know if there's any merit to that or not, but. It, it might be possible. I haven't seen any Okay. okay. Uh, what about, um, what about some of these drugs that are out there, this malaria drug and some of these other things? Any, any yeah, kind? Yeah, right. Uh, before we leave, uh, things that people can do, uh, stay hydrated, yeah. get enough sleep. Uh, you, this is time to, uh, to catch up on your sleep, but I get sick when I don't get enough sleep, so that's really important. Don't eat a bunch of sugary junk. Uh, this is not the time to be indulging in those gummy bears. And it really, uh, I think, uh, hurts our immune systems tremendously. Um, and so, uh, as far as these uh, these agents, these antiviral agents, um, they're um, they have great potential, and they're going to find one. And ridinavir, I think they're looking at now, that's the most promising. And they'll come up with one. Um, our classic antiviral agents 
Tamiflu, etc., um, don't work for coronavirus because they were developed against the flu virus and to inhibit an enzyme on the influenza virus. Well, this is a coronavirus, different virus, so Tamiflu does, won't work, but there are cousins to that that will be enzyme inhibitors that work for this particular virus, so they will come up with one. But the one that they're talking about, the chloroquine, which is an old-time drug for, for malaria, um, it may have some antiviral properties, but as all of us who've used that drug knows, this is, these are not sugar pills. This thing, uh, uh, chloroquine, can suppress your bone marrow, um, and it can cause some nasty inflammations that can turn into an autoimmune disease like lupus uh, with too much chloroquine. It's, it's, it's a powerful drug, and so uh, this is not something to be taken lightly or take it just in case. Um, right. If it's ever to be used, the doctor needs to prescribe it for you. But they'll come up with a better, uh, uh, better antiviral now. They're, they're testing a number of them. Uh, we'll hear about it. And that will change the course of the disease, as will the vaccine that I'm sure they'll come up with in the next 12 or 18 months. And those two things will both change the curve dramatically on this. But till that happens, we got to rely on keeping ourselves healthy and staying from six feet away from every other two-legged person you see. <laughs> It, 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 why six feet? Is it is it that how far it can potentially like yes, go? Yes, right. When you start? cough, the droplets go out for about six feet before they start precipitating out. So then that's how about, that. how about talking? Maybe two, three feet? Probably two or three feet, I would guess. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. All right. So unless somebody's sneezing, there's like a 30, 50 percent buffer in there, maybe. Yes, right. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, could you please tell the Plant Strong listeners a little bit about your uh, your nonprofit and all the, the great work that you're doing uh, in that space? Oh, thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, as most everybody knows, doctors don't know anything about nutrition, and it's not funny. Uh, a lot of people, serious diseases are not diagnosed because the doctor isn't asking what is the person eating. And as we mentioned, a whole food plant-based diet makes these, most of these diseases go away. The obesity, the high blood pressure, the diabetes, the clogged arteries, these go away on a whole food plant-based diet. And, and it's unfair, it's, it's unethical to withhold that information from our patients. And for that reason, uh, uh, because doctors aren't taught anything about it in medical school, I've been going to the medical schools to talking directly to the students. It's what your patients are eating before you order another $1,000 scan, another $500 set of blood tests. Ask what they ate yesterday. And if it's full of burgers and buffalo wings and pepperoni pizzas, that's why they're sitting in front of you, doctor, with, um, with uh, obesity and diabetes and hypertension and clogged arteries and inflammation. Yeah. And instead of just raising their statin dose and raising their metformin dose and say, come back in a month, that's bankrupt medicine. Send that patient to the plant-based dietitian. Let her do the counseling. Let her show in the videos. Let her take them shopping. You see the patient back in a month and see if they're not doing better, which they will be. That's how medicine needs to be practiced. And someone's got to put the pro that programming into the heads of these young docs because their professors aren't. So that's why we developed Moving Medicine Forward. It's a nonprofit initiative to fund me to, um, to go to the medical schools to, uh, uh, to get this message out. And because we've been COVIDed like everybody else, uh, we're now putting it online. We're going to be uh, uh, having a once a month nutrition uh, hangout where we're gonna be discussing nutrition-based cases uh, for interested medical students and, uh, and physicians. Uh, and we're gonna build a whole nutrition-based uh, course uh, from, these, uh, from these monthly uh, uh, Zoom uh, 
yeah. hangouts that we're going to have. So we're shifting uh, online, but again, uh, that's just doing a tap dance till till this uh, pandemic is over, and I can get back in those airplanes and go talk to those med students directly because there's no substitute right. for direct uh, uh, for direct contact. But if you are interested in what I am telling the students, especially if you are a health professional, uh, go to my YouTube channel. Uh, go to YouTube, Dr. Clapper, uh, and see my video, What I Wish I Had Learned in Medical School About Nutrition. Everything I'm telling the med students is in that video presentation. So watch that. You'll know what I'm telling the students. And send it to your doctor. Let, let her or him uh, have a look at that as well. So trying to get the word out. And if anyone would like to support us, because it takes money to pay the computer programmers to do the research. Um, uh, please uh, go to uh, drclapper.com, my website, and click on Moving Medicine Forward, and you'll see the, our, our page there, and uh, you'll know how to uh, give us a hand, as well as give us information. If you know a medical student somewhere who would, would benefit from this message, give us their name and address. We'll contact them and, uh, and invite them into our, uh, into our hangouts and, uh, and help in increase their nutritional awareness as they become full-fledged yeah. doctors. Well, what, what, what fabulous work that you're, you're doing uh, and what, what better audience for you to be trying to reach than these, than these medical students, right? Indeed, uh, I am. I, I, I get up to the microphone and I say, I'm going to give you the lecture I wish somebody had given me 50 years ago to change yeah. my whole medical career. So that's what we want to share with them. Well, Dr. Clapper, to a friend, a humanitarian, a philosopher, an environmentalist, uh, and an all-around amazing, great guy, thank you for being on another, another uh, episode of the Plant Strong Podcast. Well, thank you. There's a, there's a book and a movie called Love in the Time of Cholera. Well, uh, this is Love in the Time of Corona. You know? uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's an honor to talk to you in this time of Corona. And uh, together, uh, with enough goodwill and, and common sense, uh, we'll get through this, Rip. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, be t we'll be in touch, no doubt about that. Peace. Peace. Keep it plant strong. Keep it plant strong. <laughs> In my 10 years of providing Plant Strong programming, we have always stressed the importance of knowing your numbers because you can't manage what you don't measure. If you attend one of our retreats, biometric screening is included so we can show you just how effective the lifestyle is even within a week to start healing your body from the inside out. I'm excited to share that we have partnered with the nation's largest direct-to-consumer lab testing company to give you affordable access to hundreds of tests at up to 85% off retail. You'll want to visit plantstrong.com backslash bloodwork to see the tests that we recommend and those that are available to you. You'll have your choice of using either LabCorp or Quest Diagnostics, and you can get your numbers checked today. Again, planstrong.com backslash bloodwork. One of the best features of our Plant Strong Meal Planner is the ability to search recipes that allow you to use random ingredients from your pantry or your fridge. Our five-minute chana masala is a super popular recipe using canned beans, diced tomatoes, frozen brown rice, and spices, it's an easy solution to the 
what's for dinner dilemma that everybody has. Members can search our database of hundreds of whole food, plant-based, oil-free recipes and find delicious ways to use up what you have on hand while staying plant strong. And if you need help making ingredient substitutions, guess what? Our meal planner coaches are on hand seven days a week. Save 20 bucks off the annual plan and use the code HEALTHNOW. That's one word, HEALTHNOW. And visit plantstrong.com and click on the meal planner today. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. I want you to know that we read each and every one of your reviews and we appreciate each and every one. If you want to learn more about this season or today's guests and sponsors, please visit plantstrongpodcast.com. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.